What is up, my friends? Welcome back. We have a special guest today, Brittany Broswell. And I'm just excited because it is not easy finding someone who is in the health and wellness space, but is also faith-based. So to put those two worlds together, it's just always really exciting for me. So today we have, like I said, Brittany Broswell, and she is a registered dietitian, and she specializes in the treatment of eating disorders and body image. And she actually owns her own nutrition and recovery coaching practice. And she serves Christian women who are ready to break free from the bondage of food guilt and body shame. Can I just get an amen to that? This sounds like my my type of girl right here, huh? So we are going to talk today and get to know Brittany a little more. And she is just going to give us some good tidbits to really take with us, not only going into you know the holiday season, since we're it's almost Christmas, but also just coming into, you know, January and New Year's resolutions and trying to be the healthiest self that we can be. Um, and Brittany's going to go over the seven needs that disordered behaviors are meeting for you. And this was a totally new topic for me. So I thought this was super insightful and important. And you guys are just going to learn a lot. So I'm gonna stop introducing her and let's just let's just dive into it. Hey you guys, welcome to the Empowered Podcast, hosted by your girl Miranda Lee. I hope you're ready to get confident, throw away the all or nothing mindset, fully surrender to God, and strive to be 1% better every day. Don't forget, you are enough you are worthy, and you are loved. Alrighty, let's get this party started. Hello, Brittany. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Miranda. Thank you so much. I'm excited to chat with you and your audience today. Yeah, this is just going to be a great topic because I love um, just attacking diet culture, and that's something that you do as well. And Um, Before we talk about that, I'd love to hear a little introduction uh, about you, what you do, and what got you into into this world that that you're in now, helping other women. Yeah, so I am a registered dietitian, and I specialize in the treatment of disordered eating and negative body image. And I've been doing this exclusively, really, for the last, like, I don't know, five or six years, and then lots of, lots of time doing nutrition counseling and, um, talking through disordered behaviors and diet culture and all of that for several years before. And I think what really got me most, most interested in this specific area, especially really helping coach and and educate Christian women is just my own struggle with control. Um, it showed up in a lot of areas outside of food for me specifically, but it, I think all of the ladies that I have worked with and that I currently work with struggle with control in some way. And so we see that show up, you know, your listeners probably see that in their own lives and see it show up in diet culture on a regular basis, which is why I love that you empower them to to overcome that. And so my, my really struggle with control kind of came to a head, uh, I guess after grad school, um, and I'll give you the short version, but my husband and I were kind of in this, in the midst of an infertility journey. And I had this sort of come to Jesus moment with the Lord about the need to surrender that control and submit to him. And so 
those kind of came to a head and we ended up, you know, sort of long story short, um, being blessed with our first child and we have two now. Um, but it took, it took years for me be like calling myself kind of, I'm a, I'm a control freak or I like to really, you know, have my hands in everything to really go, there's not freedom there. Um, and, and so I see that show up all across the board in diet culture now. And I love being able to really coach and encourage women, especially women in the church, maybe that get a lot of um, incorrect or misleading messages when it comes to control and discipline and willpower and, and all of that, that we tend to go, okay, these are reasons I do need to engage in all of these unhelpful behaviors. Um, yeah. So that's a little bit about what got me to where I am now. And, um, and I have a, a virtual practice where I coach and encourage women when it comes to disordered eating, negative body image and all things diet culture. So I absolutely love what I do. And I really love just encouraging and, and similar to you, empowering women to really overcome diet culture and have Christ at the center of that process the whole way through. I love that. I, I love hearing um, your journey and how it really just comes to surrendering to God. Um, and I feel like a lot of people don't know that there is a link um, when it comes to your faith, but also your own health journey. Um, it's not just about going to church on Sundays. It's really surrendering everything over to God in all aspects. It could be, you know, an infertility journey like you. It could be if you're struggling with an eating disorder. And that's something I had to surrender over to God. So can you kind of talk about the importance of really bringing together um, our relationship with Christ and also, you know, our relationship with food and our body and body image and diet culture and how those two actually go really hand in hand? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we oftentimes try to separate the two and we say like, okay, God, here's, I want you to be a Lord of my life. I want you to, you know, take over all these areas, but you know, my physical health or maybe even my mental health, like this is, that that's on me. I got this. Um, you help me with all of these things over here that feel biblical or that feel spiritual, quote unquote. Right. But, but I'll, I'll take care of myself when it comes to my body. Um, and what happens so often is that we misprioritize what's important when it comes to our health. Um, one of the big things that I talk with a lot of the ladies I work with about is looking at your health it, there's all kinds of different areas of health, but I, I like to kind of bring it into four or five, um, looking at physical health, which usually when I say, when I ask someone like, Hey, how do you define the word healthy or health? Nine and a half times out of 10, the first thing I hear is, Oh, well, you know, something about my weight or having normal labs or eating a certain way, moving a certain way. And even though those things are important, if we let physical health be the top priority, and we maybe discount or don't give as much time and attention to spiritual health um, or maybe even mental health. Spiritual, mental and physical are the three that I find myself talking about the most with a lot of my clients, because those are kind of the three sort of umbrella categories. I feel like that you also get things like intellectual health, relational, financial, all these other things. But we try so often to make physical health the top priority. And when we do that, mental health and spiritual health tend to suffer. We could probably spend a whole, a whole episode conversation on that. But so, so sometimes I'll have clients that'll say, well, I'm really just focusing on my mental health right now. And when we put a lot of time, energy, effort into that and misprioritize it as the top, 
usually spiritual and physical health suffer. But the kicker with all of this, Miranda, is that if we actually prioritize spiritual health, mental and physical health don't suffer. They actually improve too. And so I I love just kind of helping women. I, I use a visual analogy for this, but when you really start, when you, when you stop trying to separate physical health over here and Jesus, you can have these other areas and you say, Jesus, be the Lord of all of this. Like help me to steward my body. Well, give me the wisdom to know what kind of choices to make that honor every area of health and every aspect of my life. You see every area improve. So, um, yes, I feel like that's, that's one of the the simplest ways you can really focus on how do I improve all of these other things? And what is, what does my body actually have to do with, you know, my faith in the Lord or, or my relationship with him? Yeah, I totally agree. That is, that is so great. It reminds me of um, like just the wellness wheel. It's something, you know, I, I teach to my, my clients as well. It's like, if you just put everything into one little aspect, like being physical health, you're not really quote unquote healthy or well, because you're neglecting all the other aspects of your wellness. Like you said, your mental health and your spiritual health. And it's so important to, you know, give into all of those, but I love that you said putting your spiritual health first. I think that is so amazing. I think that something that many women might be a little nervous about when surrendering um, kind of diet culture and, you know, disordered eating habits and stuff like surrendering this over to the Lord and putting God first, that their health will actually suffer, that kind of all their, I guess, worst fears are going to happen, that they're going to be, you know, completely out of control and maybe, let's say, overeat and not do things that benefit our body. Can you kind of debunk that myth for us? Yes. So, so oftentimes when, when we just, I see this happening, unfortunately, a lot in the intuitive eating space because so many people go like one extreme or the other. Um, And that kind of what you're talking about, Miranda, seems to be what I hear a lot, um, even amongst Christians, especially amongst Christians when they're like, okay, well, intuitive eating just means, you know, I need to just listen to my body. And even though that's maybe a component of it, it gets taken so far out of context because if I listen to my body all the time, I can give you a a non-food example, even with this. If I listen to my body in the mornings when I am so tired and my alarm goes off and I go snooze, snooze, right? If I just listen to my body, my body's probably telling me I am tired. Okay. That may be totally legitimate and that I could use more sleep, but there's this process of listening to your body and also learning from it and not letting your body be the sole determining factor in your decision-making process. So we have to honor our thoughts. We have to honor what our body's telling us, but we have to take all things into consideration when making a decision. So for the sleep example, I need to acknowledge I am still tired, okay? So if I can, if my schedule affords it, maybe I do hit snooze a couple of times, right? Before my kids get up. But if I know, okay, it is 6.15, I really don't need to sleep longer than this, or we're going to be late for school. I'm going to be late for work. Um, you know, all these things can happen. It doesn't mean the sleep doesn't matter and that my body wasn't communicating a specific need that's legitimate, but I have to go, okay, 
I'm going to have to sort of suffer the consequences for getting in bed too late last night. So how can I listen to my body and use that to help me make wise decisions moving forward? So maybe that looks like taking a nap later in the day if I need to. Maybe it looks like getting in bed earlier the next night. Um, and so we, we've got to just, when it when it comes to food, instead of saying like, okay, God, if I just give you everything, my health is going to suffer because now I'm just going to only listen to my body, right? Scripture talks about how it is our responsibility to be good stewards of what we've been given. But I think what we, what we imagine that looks like can either go to the side of sort of orthorexia or over-focus on health and quote unquote, clean eating and exercising and moving in a specific way versus the other end. That's like, let me just listen to my body and do everything. And so there's this beautiful place in the middle. I hate saying, um, living in the gray. Cause we always hear like, this black and white thinking are these extremes. And I wish I could remember it, but a friend of mine once said something about living in the rainbow instead of living in the gray. And I just love that. And so I think there's this beautiful way that you can find to God, I'm going to, I'm going to surrender. I, I want to cultivate body wisdom, right? So that I can understand what's happening in my body, but give me the wisdom from you and help me to submit, surrender my will to you so that I can make choices not only based on what my body's feeling, but also on a way that I know is going to steward and care for my body well. Yeah, that, that's so true that we we tend to be one extreme or the other. And like, I'm totally the type of person that says like, you know, it's not all or nothing. We need to be somewhere in the middle. So I love that you're saying that you're calling it more of the rainbow instead of the gray area. And you know, one of the ways I like to think about it is, you know, if there's, let's say the, you know, orthorexia end where you are just all about clean eating, that's something I personally struggled with a lot. But then there's like the complete other end where it's, you know, not caring, let's say not caring about your health at all. I think the best part about living in the gray area or the rainbow area is like, it's really going to change and vary. It's not like you're going to be exactly in the center all the time. And that's kind of where you're supposed to like really give it to God and surrender to him. Cause I think it's going to change a lot in the different seasons of your lives and the different things you go over. But man, I, I really like what you were saying about, about like, not just solely listening to your body, but, you know, also using your brain as well, because I feel like, like you're saying, it's one or the other and we have to like integrate it together. And like with intuitive eating people, you know, I, I love to um, teach about intuitive eating and it's like, well, that's why, you know, pillar number 10 is gentle nutrition. Like you are still mm -hmm. meant to, you know, use some form of discipline, use some form of willpower, but not rely on it completely. Do you agree? So, so I don't typically like to, I, I totally agree with the sentiment. I tend to stray away from willpower uh, just because I think what happens so often, and you probably see this so much in the work that you do too, Miranda, is that when we think about, um, when we think about intuitive eating and general nutrition, one of the big goals of general nutrition is to help you eat in a way that, that feels really good, like where you're not feeling deprived, where you are enjoying a lot of really fun, palatable foods, and you're also including some nutrient-dense foods 
not just because of out of out of obligation, but like you find ways to really enjoy a variety of things, right? And so I love to to work with women to get to a place where it doesn't feel like, yes, their discipline is like this process of, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some things because I have this particular outcome in mind that I know is gonna be beneficial, right? And I think that where I get stuck in the willpower word sometimes is that it almost feels like I'm relying on my own strength for that, right? Like I just have to be better. I have to do better. It's up to me. And I think there's this beautiful process of when you submit that to the Lord and you say, okay, God, give me that wisdom. um, Then it makes you want to, like you have this desire to not deprive yourself and you find yourself like wanting, like I have days where I really want very nutrient dense foods, like something out now. I love sweets, but like there's times where something sweet doesn't really sound good because I can tell my body is going, no, you need something a little bit different right now. And being able to marry those two together no longer feels like, oh, I just, I have to just power through it. And I have to just make the decision. I know I, you know, quote unquote should. Right. And so I love that. Um, I love that. I don't have to power through that on my own will that that's something that you, you learn as you go and you're able to develop this, this internal and, you know, spiritual wisdom to be able to say like, I really want the things that I enjoy and that feel good for me. And that incorporating those principles of general nutrition give you both. And I love that. Yeah, that's so great. I love that you talk about wisdom because I'm the same way. Like when it comes to like willpower, like, I know some people are like, oh, willpower is like a muscle and you need to train it. And it's like, yeah, okay, but eventually it's going to get tired. (laughs) Anyway, it doesn't matter how much you train it. And we weren't meant to um, just strictly rely on willpower um, at all. I mean, there might be a couple of times here and there where, yeah, it's probably best um, in in a way. But I think approaching it from what you're saying is viewing it as wisdom instead of even willpower it's not willpower it's making the wise decision based off of what you know so I think that's a a good way of of looking about especially with your relationship with food like this is more of a wise choice based off what I know I know that my body is actually let's say craving more nutrient dense foods and that doesn't mean I'm depriving myself of let's say like the yummy foods that like oh food freedom Uh, I could have a slice of pizza where before I might pick a salad because I felt like I had to where now when I pick a salad it's because like I feel like my 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 husband makes fun of me because I say I'm craving nutrients my body's craving nutrients he's like that's so weird and it's like yeah but when you don't have to eat a salad and you choose to eat a salad it's so different or whatever nutrient dense food that, you know, that's just like right. a generic, um, just example, but yeah, I like viewing it as more like wisdom and like, there's so many things you can practice wisdom with, you know, and it can even be yeah. like your relationship with food and listening to your body. So I love that. Yeah. And I love that. I love that you said practice because it's absolutely a practice. Um, I mentioned this kind of concept of like listening and learning when it comes to developing that wisdom. So like an example would be um, rather than trying to like willpower yourself, like we just, we're at least recording this at a time that's like not too far after Halloween. And I've had so many conversations with clients around 
oh, I just have all this candy in my house now. And I feel like I'm just having to, to power through and, you know, not eat it or limit myself. I'm like, well, give yourself the opportunity to experiment. If you were having this urge to eat six, you know, six packages of Reese cups, do it and see how you feel afterwards. Because I've, I can pretty much guarantee that like, if you, if you've been restricting and you haven't let yourself have chocolate or, I mean, I love, I love chocolate. Right. And if I go, or I'm just going to, I'm going to quote unquote, be good. Right. I'm not going to eat any chocolate. It's going to come to a head and I'm going to go, okay, I've been craving this. So now I'm going to eat six packages of Reese cups. Right. Well, there comes a point when even having fun foods that they, they serve a purpose, but then they cross that line where they're no longer beneficial. So I'm going to be able to tell after six packages of Reese cups, like, okay, I listened to my body and had something that I want, but it doesn't feel good now. Right. And so there's that process of listening, but then you have to learn the impact. Right. So that can inform my decision. And maybe next time the wiser choice in the moment is I'm going to have a pack of Reese cups and it's going to serve its purpose after, you know, having those two cups in a package and I'm going to have something I enjoy and I'm going to have it alongside, you know, a meal or some other snack that's not going to leave me feeling the same way afterwards that, that really drives your satisfaction down. Right. Because if you have a meal or a snack and you feel cruddy afterwards, it's not really so satisfying or at least to a lesser degree than you expected. So. So, yes, I love that you mentioned it is a practice and I would even call it like a trial and error process because you never know how food affects you and it may affect you different, you know, day to day. Yeah. And like you said, it's like experimenting with it as well. You know, that's something that, you know, with my um journey to food freedom and stuff I never oh I won't say never but I tried not to feel guilty um let's say if I overate a certain food because I saw it more of a learning opportunity like you know what I realized that after maybe two slices of this cheesecake that this fun food actually became not really fun anymore I wasn't truly enjoying it it was more like I felt I felt a certain way and I kept eating it because let's say I was distracted because I was watching TV or doing this or doing that. And instead of feeling guilt at the end of it and having that all or nothing mindset of, well, I already quote unquote messed up. It's like, hmm, actually learned something from this. So next time I go into it with a different wise with different mindset than I did before. And, you know, I think it all goes back to, you know, being kind to yourself and practicing grace as well, because, health is really like has its ups and down and, and it's like a roller coaster and we just have to have to be okay with all the different ups and downs that it gives us because like Halloween comes around you know Thanksgiving is is happening Christmas and instead of having that mindset of like oh I need to be quote-unquote good or well I already messed up I might as well be bad like use this as an opportunity to listen to what your body is telling you and not be so hard on yourself. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and giving yourself that grace and flexibility to know that what's healthy, quote unquote healthy, might not always be the most healthy thing for you, right? Or even in those in moment to moment, because when we think of something healthy, like a food, like we mentioned, you know, salad, or when you have maybe like a very well-balanced meal that includes all your macronutrient, you know, balanced foods, that's great, right? But if I'm experiencing a moment of low blood sugar, 
the healthiest thing for me in that moment is going to be something like candy, juice, something, you know, a very low fiber fruit that's going to digest and absorb decently quickly to help pull my blood sugar back up. So I think it's challenging that mindset on what's healthy and maybe swapping this out. I use this strategy a lot with clients. So instead of saying, hey, what's healthy to say what's beneficial or how is this going to benefit or serve me right now? Because if I've got super low blood sugar, it's not going to be that healthy for me to sit down and eat a salad then, right? Because it's very high fiber. It's going to digest very slowly. And I might start experiencing some really uncomfortable uh, side effects of, of hypoglycemia. So it's going to be most healthy for me in that moment to do something that's going to benefit my body. And the best thing is to get my blood sugar back to a safe level. So, so yes, it's something that requires a lot of flexibility and sort of developing that, that wisdom muscle or that wisdom gift, I guess, and, and seeking the Lord for, for discernment in that process. Yeah. I love that. It all comes back, all comes back to wisdom because Yes. You know, not it's not the healthiest option. It's the most beneficial for that moment. And so different for for everyone, every body type, every person. Like something that might be beneficial for me right now is not going to be as beneficial, let's say, in a day from now or a couple hours from now, because mm-hmm. my body is telling me something completely different. I love right. that. And it's just it's so opposite from what, you know, diet culture has taught us because diet culture is like, okay, you need to eat every two to three hours and you need to have this, this, and that. And it's, it just gives us rules instead of listening to our body. Um, So can we talk about, I know you like to um, cover this. It's the seven needs disordered behaviors are meeting for you. Can you talk about what that is and what those seven needs are? Yes, Miranda, I love talking about this because I've I've had so many so many women I work with that are like, now this makes so much sense. Um, so this is so pretty much any disordered behavior maybe that you're struggling with, and I'm gonna make it our make it specific today, our conversation around food and body related behaviors, but this goes across the board with so many things. Um, it's so important to know why we are doing what we're doing when it comes to our behaviors. Because if we don't, we're going to attempt to have this like band-aid attempt um, to change them, right? Like there's that verse in scripture from Paul that says like, I, I don't like what I do, but for some reason, you know, I keep doing it, right? That's the Brittany Brazel version. But essentially he's saying like, I don't know why I keep doing all these things that I really hate doing and I know what I should be doing kind of thing. Um, and it really comes back to, I don't know why, right? So if you've ever set a goal, I know um, as y'all are listening to this, depending on when, like we're coming up on the new year or maybe maybe you're listening to this in January and there's tons of new year's resolutions out. And what I see so often is, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change this. I'm gonna recover in the new year or I'm gonna break this habit of restricting or binging or whatever it might be. And most often what happens with that is that we go, okay, let me just focus on changing the behavior. Okay. Well, what usually happens, like when you focus on changing the behavior, that's the last step of the process. You've got to back up and figure out why is the behavior happening in the first place. And one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest light bulb moments I think that you can have is really asking yourself, what need is that behavior meeting for me? Or what purpose is it serving? Because you're going to come back to doing something if it gives you some sort of perceived benefit, right? Like going back to the example before about snooze, 
I hit snooze on a semi-regular basis because the benefit there, it's meeting a need for more sleep. And it's making me at least temporarily feel, you know, more relaxed, more rested. So I've got to figure out if I can, if I'm trying to figure out, well, how do I stop wanting to hit snooze? Well, the benefit here is maybe, maybe some stress relief, maybe some relaxation. So I've got to have that same need met. Otherwise I'm going to keep hitting snooze. So the same thing goes with maybe unhealthier disordered behaviors, like the binging over exercise, even translating into things like substance abuse, being in an unhealthy relationship. If you keep if you keep going back to the same person over and over again after off again, on again relationships, you're finding some sort of perceived benefit. And so it's meeting some need that, that's not currently being met in another way. So I think the first part is recognizing like your needs are valid. Your needs need to be met and they don't all have to be met or they the disordered ones, you know, don't have to be met um, in, in a way that's not beneficial for you. So meet the need, but in a different way. So um, if it would be helpful, I can give you some examples of those top seven needs that um, that I see a lot of these disordered behaviors meeting for people. And we can just touch on each one and go into it as much or as little as we have time for today. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get some examples. Okay, so I will... Maybe I'll just run through the the seven that I see most most often. Now, these are not fully comprehensive, but these are the needs that I see showing up the most when it comes to needs that disordered behaviors are meeting for someone. So I'll run through them and then we can maybe dive into a couple of them. Um, and I'm happy to give you guys like some next steps if you want to look at this further. Um, but the first need, and we already touched on this a little bit, is that need for a sense of control. So feeling like okay, all this craziness is going on around me. And so nothing feels like it's in my control. So food needs to be in my control or my body needs to be within my control. So that's going to show up by me choosing what to eat, how much to eat, how much I move my body, how I do that. Um, it can show up in lots of different ways. So um, one maybe question or sort of fill in the blank that you can post yourself to know if maybe control or needing that sense of control um, is a need that you have or something you're struggling with, you can kind of fill in the blank with whatever the behavior is by saying, okay, no one but me gets to decide if or when I blank or not, right? So maybe it's no one but me gets to decide when I eat or when I move my body or when I hit the snooze button, right? Um, So sense of control is a really big one. Um, We could spend a long time talking through that. But um, the second one is reduced anxiety. So if you have a need for anxiety reduction, there's a a lot of disordered behaviors might be, there's a chance it could be meeting that need for you. Um, Stress relief is the third one. It kind of goes hand in hand with that. It's a, a big need that I see a lot of disordered or unhealthy behaviors, meaning someone will say, you know, I the term I hear a lot is stress eat or comfort eat, um, eating certain amounts or maybe only eating a small amount feels like a stress reliever. Um, so, so thinking on, you know, maybe I often feel restless until I blank fill in the blank and that behavior, maybe that behavior is meeting that need of stress relief for you. Um, the fourth one. Okay. So we've got done a sense of control, reduced anxiety and stress relief. Those are the first three. The fourth one is that sense of safety or comfort 
and I kind of alluded to this a second ago, these oftentimes can go hand in hand. A lot of these can overlap. Um, but if you feel physically, physically afraid or like you need that physical safety, or maybe it's a sense of emotional safety and um, some way to feel comforted or, or not alone. This shows up a lot. Um, I see this a lot with with the women I talk to who really struggle with kind of mindless eating or, or overeating. This can happen with under eating or movement or other things as well, but that's having that sense of safety or comfort is a, is a really big one. Um, the fifth one, and I'm going to say this sort of in air quotes is solving a problem or, you know, a per- perceived, perceived that you're solving a problem. So if um, this can actually show up a lot with like, perfectionism, I would say, or like procrastination, especially. Um, so if there's a behavior that comes to mind when you, when you kind of tell yourself like, okay, I have to do things perfectly and I'm really good at blank, right? Like maybe you feel like you're doing a really bad job at work, but you go, well, I'm really good at, maybe this is trigger warning. I'm really good at my eating disorder. I'm really good at restricting. I'm really good at being in the gym whatever it is, if that's those types of things come to mind, that maybe this false sense of this isn't going well, but I'm really good at this thing. And this makes me feel like I'm solving some sort of issue. Um, so solving a problem is, is the fifth one. The sixth one, um, I'm going to very lightly tread on um, because it's numbing or repressing feelings. And this can show up in a lot of really unhealthy and really dangerous ways. Um, so there's a lot of behaviors that might, that you might use when you're feeling really stressed, really afraid, whatever it might be. And you just, you're just like, I need, I need a distraction. I need to refocus. I don't want to pay attention to that thing because it, it feels so uncomfortable. Um, so numbing or repressing is a, is a big need that I see a lot of disordered behaviors meeting. And then the last one is really uh, like taking out anger or punishing yourself, um, if you feel like so many people, I feel like don't have a, a healthy knowledge of what it looks like to be angry and to be able to express anger. And so oftentimes that gets turned inward and they feel like it's either not safe for me to express my anger to the person I'm angry at, or just in general. And so I'm going to sort of take on the responsibility of, you know, feeling feeling that anger or that punishment for whatever went wrong and sort of that self-blame. So um, these, all, all seven of these, so just to kind of do a quick recap, number one, a sense of control. Number two, reduced anxiety. Number three, stress relief. Number four, a sense of safety or comfort. Number five, sort of air quotes, solving a problem. Um, number six, numbing or repressing feelings and number seven taking out anger or self-punishment so taking out anger numbing and repressing feelings all of these things are needs that we have the self-punishment is kind of what happens as a result that's not a need right we don't need to punish ourselves um but all of these things are are valid needs we have but so often show up in behaviors that actually do more harm than good so, so those are the seven and I'm happy to go, you know, a little further into any of them that we have time for today. Um, but it's so, so important that, that we really figure out 
what need is each of these behaviors meeting. You may have several behaviors that you're like, okay, maybe that's not really serving me in the long run. Maybe it's actually destructive and they could all be meeting a different need. Um, so it's really important to dig into that first before you start trying to change the behavior because you're going to keep coming back to that behavior over and over again if it's meeting a need that's otherwise going unmet. Yeah, that's that's such that's such good like insight because I like how you're talking about like these are disordered behaviors and this goes further than just like disordered eating which you know my podcast is primarily about like this goes outside of that and that, that's why it's also important in relevant to like our mental health and our spiritual health as well so I'd assume like the first step is going through those seven and see which one like you identify with so what do you think like which one of the seven do you think most people who struggle with like um, disordered eating habits or really giving into diet culture? Um, which one do you think that falls into? So, so I see it with all, all seven of these, I would say the one that tends to go across the board most frequently is that sense of control. Um, I would say between control and some sort of anxiety or stress reduction, those, those first three, um, I see, I won't say across the board for every single person, but control goes on almost a hundred percent, I would say. And then it can show up in, in the, these other needs. Um, I see every single one of these needs met, um, or, trying to be met with disorder behaviors on a weekly basis um, from, from all kinds of, of different clients and through DMs on Instagram and all kinds of things. And so I think um, there's a lot of behaviors that we don't always recognize maybe as being unhealthy or disordered. Um, so, so I put a resource together just to help, just to help people kind of figure out, okay, maybe I'm sort of going back and forth between how this behavior might be like what need this behavior might be meeting for me. So, um, so I'm, I'm happy to provide that link to you guys. Um, it's on my website. It's just super easy. Just download it. And it's got like five sort of those like fill in the blank style statements that I've given y'all a couple of examples of. Um, and it gives you a chance to go through that and say like, yes, this is true for me. Yes, this is true for me. No, not this one so much. Um, and can kind of help you see like behavior to behavior which need is being met. Um, and like I said, most people struggle with the control in some aspect, um, but not every behavior is going to meet that primary need for control. So I think it's really important to look at behaviors uniquely and go, okay, what, what is um, restricting doing for me? that one often comes back to control. What is sort of this mindless eating um, or overeating or binging? What is that doing for me? Maybe it comes back to comfort. Maybe it comes back to stress relief. Maybe it comes back to that feeling of, of uh, safety. I've had tons of clients that have, um, you know, a history of trauma and overeating makes them feel safe because the goal is to strive to be in a body size that's different than the one where they experience the trauma. Um, and so these needs show up in all different ways. So, so yeah, asking yourself like one behavior at a time, what is this meaning for me? Um, is a, is a much more effective way to go about it than to just go, okay, in general, what are my disorder behaviors doing for me? 
Yeah, I think I think control is definitely a big one. I know when you were going over the list, like the one that I feel like I struggle with the most, especially with my my past struggles as well, is the need to be in control. Um, so then what do you recommend for people to kind of get out of this unhealthy cycle? I'm assuming, like we said, step number one is identify, you know, the need that the disordered behavior is meeting. And then and then what do we do next? So so once you know what the need is that's being met, um, it can be really helpful. And, and I'll kind of I'll, I'll say the simplest next thing. It won't be the next thing, but the next sort of action is to really look for a different behavior that meets the same need. Um, and there's this process in between of figuring out, OK, how how did I recognize that that's a need? What are some things that show me that's the case? Um, where did this why do I feel like this need is not being met in other ways? So there's lots of questions and I I would always encourage you to go through that process with, with a coach, with a provider who is going to have a little different perspective than you, because it can be so hard to go through this just on your own with your, with your own filter from your experience and perspective. So, so the next action step, um, you know, kind of in the midst of that process is going, okay, well, what other actions or behaviors are going to meet this need in the same way or in a similar way? And sometimes it does take that, you know, exercising that sort of practice muscle there to, for it to have the same result, right? Because I'll have clients that say, okay, I've started using this particular um, behavior or skill to try to meet this need. And it does, but it doesn't feel as effective as restricting or as effective as binging. And so sometimes that like give yourself grace if you're experimenting with, you know, different behaviors or you can substitute the word coping skill there sometimes. Um, but give yourself some grace if it doesn't feel as effective to start with, because it does take practice and repetition um, and that trial and error process of going, OK, I've got these six different behaviors that I've brain dumped that I feel like meet the same need to a similar degree. And so sometimes it's it's trial and error and going through and say, I'm going to experiment with this behavior in this situation. And depending on how effective it feels, I'll try another one the next time, or I'm going to try this one several times. Um, so that, that is one of the, the best things that you can do on your own. After you turn this episode off, like go and brain dump. Okay. What else helps me to feel in control? And then when you have that brain dumped list go, okay, what of these things actually might be beneficial and not destructive? That's kind of part two of that is, okay, well, there might be a lot of things that make you feel in control that aren't really beneficial for you, right? That could be just as destructive as over-exercise or restriction or anything else. Um, so sorting through those, maybe getting some guidance on, you know, where to start, that would be my encouragement for, for the next step once you figure out what that need is. Yeah. And like you said, we don't have to go through this alone and we aren't meant to go through this alone. You know, God gave us all these people around us because he wanted us to form communities and to lean on each other and love each other. So, yeah, I think it is so important to not go through the struggle by yourself and to reach out to people like you for help. So how can people connect with you and reach out to you and find you on social media if they want to take a, the next step with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you want to go through kind of that full sort of quiz style to figure out what those needs are, um, that 
you can find that on my website at brittanybraswellrd.com slash needs. Real simple. Um, but I love having conversation and I would love to um, discuss this further with you. So y'all can find me on Instagram or Facebook at Brittany Braswell RD. Um, and in January, we'll have a, a new podcast going with some, we're going to be having this conversation probably a lot there. Um, so that'll be coming out in January, 2023. And that's going to be called the Joy Filled Eater Podcast. So hopefully I can, um, if y'all have questions, feel free to send them in a DM on Instagram. And that's something I can address on the podcast as well. Awesome. I'll make sure to put all those links and your website in the show notes so people can reach out to you. But thank you so much, Brittany, for coming on and sharing all that good wisdom. Well, thank you for having me, Miranda. It was a pleasure having the conversation with you today. And I will look forward to continuing to listen to the Empire podcast. That is it for this episode. It was so great having Brittany on. I hope you learned a lot because I know I did and make sure to go reach out and connect with her. And if you are not already part of my Facebook community, I highly encourage you to go join, especially with the new year coming up. I know it can be so easy to kind of be tricked into like what diet culture says we should be doing during the new year. And we don't want, we don't want to listen to that nonsense. So if you are not part of my free Facebook empowerment community, go ahead and join. The link is in the show notes, or you can go to bit.ly, L-Y, slash Miranda Lee FB, as in Facebook, and go ahead and join. You get some, um, we have monthly challenges for just trying to, you know, heal our relationship with food, build our self-confidence, our body confidence, get closer to God, all that amazing stuff. And then I also share recipes, workouts, healthy swaps, and just a bunch of things in this Facebook group that you can only get from being in this group. So make sure to go join that. I hope you guys have an amazing week and you enjoy some good food and time with family and everything this December because remember Jesus is the reason for the season and that means loving each other and loving ourselves as well. All right, bye guys.